0: Hello everyone, today our reading comes from Mark uh, chapter 6 and we're commencing at verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognised them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already, already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he, ha- he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than a half year's wages And looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on the land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them shortly before dawn he went out to them walking on the lake he was about to pass them by when they saw him walking on the lake and they thought he was a ghost they cried out because they all saw him and were terrified immediately he spoke to them and said take courage it is I don't be afraid then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened.
1: So we've been traveling through this gospel account that Mark's been narrating to us. We've gone through it for a few weeks now. We've seen Jesus demonstrating his power in so many ways. He's called people unto himself. He's preached. He's displayed his power over unclean spirits. He's had power over incurable disease. Even more, power over nature. And we also heard about this statement that Jesus made that he was able to forgive sin. See, each of these miracles are little snippets that point back to very significant events in history. And the people then knew this because it was in their scriptures. They were each a shadow of what Israel's promised king and savior would be like. He was no ordinary king, he would be their messiah the one who would save them and restore them back to Yahweh, their father. And today, we're going to unpack two more of these miracles. And we're going to be confronted by this very deep issue, hardened hearts. And so, I invite you to see for yourself. Come and see the compassionate shepherd who satisfies. Come and see the God who reveals his glory. I'm not sure how many of you have been to Indian weddings or even just generally South Asian weddings. These are fairly grand events. Now, a list of a 1,000 people is considered a small wedding, which is a little bit unfamiliar for us here, but these are small weddings. Now. I remember a few short years ago, before moving to Melbourne, I went back to India to help organise my cousin's wedding. And this was the first time my eyes were opened to actually what is really going on. See, aside from the ceremony itself, one of the most important things that happens on that day is that these people who come from near and far must be fed with the best. So, there was no way any of us as the family could fulfill this. There's just too many things that we had to do, but also, even if we came together, there's no way we could fulfill this desire to satisfy these people. It was a task that was well beyond our collective efforts. And I remember behind our house, we have got a stream, and across that, there was this huge marquee being built uh, so that the food could be prepared overnight, it's actually a very interesting scene. Um, I'll have a couple of photos up for you. This is not from my cousin's wedding, uh, but just to give you a small idea of what that, that might look like. And I remember thinking, this is such a miracle that they could even pull this together, because it rained all night. And it's not a closed marquee, it was an open marquee. <laughs> so it sort of adds more fuel to that fire, right? And I just sort of, as I was planning this sermon, I was thinking back. I can't imagine what I would have done, or actually if any of us in the family would have done if they had just given up and said, you feed them. And in this section of Mark, we sort of see something similar. It's not an Indian wedding, but there's a lot of people, right? We're met with 12 weary disciples. They've just come back after their first assignment that Jesus has sent them on. They've preached and been performing miracles from the authority that Jesus himself gave them. But they're tired. And if you look in your Bibles, you'll see that Jesus had sent them in pairs to go do these things and come back. Verse 31 starts here and says, Jesus sees what they need and he says, he directed them to go and find a desolate place, a quiet place to get rest. He knew what they needed in that hour, and as you read on, you see by now the people are very, very good at spotting Jesus, this teacher and his followers. They see him and they stop him. In fact, there's 5,000 of them that are running by foot, trying to catch these guys. Right? There's no break. They're trying to catch them. Why? There were 5,000 of them. Actually, quite a number more than that and they're coming from every town surrounding them because they knew what this Jesus was able to do. He had the power to work miracles, and they'd seen it. He had, his fame was growing in this land, and they just wanted more of this. And I'm sure if we were there, we would have wanted to see more of what Jesus could do. In fact, they also came for his teaching but we see that they were more interested in what he was doing. And here, Jesus was teaching them for the rest of that time. And try to picture the scene, right? Tensions are rising and here are the disciples. Lord, it's getting very, very late. We're yet to rest. We're in the middle of nowhere. Just let them go back home and find something to eat. Easy option. And it's here that Jesus looks at them and says, No, you feed them. (laughs) See, Jesus is not asking them something that he knows that they can do. But their response then is, We've just got five loaves, we've got two fish, and maybe about eight months' salary. What could we possibly do with this? Look at these people and I'm sure some alarms like this might have been ringing, at least in their heads. See, these guys were underwhelmingly resourced for a task incredibly impossible for them to do. See, while the disciples would have rather sent these people on their way, Jesus' response is something I think even we would not have anticipated. Look at what it says. Verse 34, Jesus feels compassion for these people. Why? Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. See, Jesus knew they didn't just need a meal. And in what seems to be a wilderness, Mark then says, Jesus told them to be seated on the green grass. What a strange piece of detail. Is this a coincidence that they just happened to find green grass to sit on? I don't think so. Because you see, if you go back to the first verse of the first chapter in Mark, Mark's goal is that you can see exactly who this gospel is about. And even more than that, he wants you to see who this is about clearly. Not just through the miracles, but even in these weird details so let's unpack some of this together let's try to investigate because this is what I do and I'm not here let's investigate where Mark might be pulling these phrases from sheep without a shepherd and seated on the green grass just take a moment to think back to some Old Testament images I wonder I wonder if any of you were reminded of one of David's most beautiful psalms, maybe one of my favorites. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters or quiet waters. Let me give you one more picture just to sort of fill up some of these gaps. Let's travel a little further back and let's go to Ezekiel. And in chapter 34, we see this. For this is what the sovereign Lord says I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. A few verses from there I will tend them in a good pasture. And in the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There, there they will lie down in good grazing land. There they will feed in a rich pasture. And the final verse, you are my sheep, the sheep of my pasture, and I am your God, declares the sovereign Lord. Such powerful words that transcends that period of time over to us. You see, the verses we just read from Ezekiel, sit within a very hard prophecy to to work out because it's a damning verdict on the shepherds of Israel. You see, God pronounces his judgment on these leaders. You've neglected my flock. You've left my flock like sheep without a shepherd. You haven't fed them. And so what does God say he will do? I will come. I will be their shepherd. They will know me. I'll be the one who fulfills this prophecy. Fast forward to Mark. If you're now seeing it, here is Jesus, the shepherd, tending his flock. People are gathered from everywhere on the green grass. Now, if you even took a moment to just look around you, You might notice that he's brought people from every nation here today. And in every church, this is what we see. Some might look a little different to us, but it's people gathered to feed on his life giving words. He came for you. As we read on, Jesus looks to heaven and he thanks the Father. And from heaven in this wilderness, an abundant supply, God himself supplied for his people. And we read that everyone had eaten, and again, another obscure piece of detail, and they were satisfied. Jesus had done what we'd seen all the way back after the Exodus, where he fed his people in the desert. Now, if you want to sort of picture this scene and how many people are there, the Bible records 5,000 people. But this is quite likely to be more in the 20 to 25,000. And if that still doesn't seem like a lot, just imagine the Rod Laver Arena and Margaret Court completely packed out. And then there's still more food to go. How can he do this? See, this is a picture of abundance through Jesus' divine providence he was proving here that he was able to satisfy two things first their spiritual hunger as he taught them and second their physical hunger as he fed them bread from heaven when we look at John's account and the parallel account for this we see that the people continue then to follow him after this They follow him because they were fed, not because of the miracle that pointed to God. And they go on to ask him, what can we do to do the works of God? And then they go on to say, if we can't do that, give us this bread always. See, they didn't see who Jesus was. He tells them there, I am the bread of life. What you need is me. See, this is Jesus, the only shepherd who can satisfy you. Let's march on and have a look at what happens here in verses 45 onwards. Let's try and encounter the God who reveals his glory to us. See, Mark starts this part of the passage Uh, with his favorite catchphrase. And immediately, Jesus made his disciples go into the boat and go ahead of him into Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. See, I'm sure these people, the crowds who have just eaten, were stirred up. They got what they wanted. But there was more that they wanted, See, here is a man who possessed the deepest and the greatest power that they've ever seen. He could do miracles and he had authority when he taught. He is one who could give them food and food in abundance. John's account tells us that these people were chasing after him because they wanted to make him king by force. Jesus perceived this and knew their motives. And Jesus knows this is not how his kingdom would be established. He didn't just come to be their political leader. So he dismisses them. And what we see next is this. He goes to the mountainside and he goes to his father's care and counsel as he submits his prayers to his father in heaven. And this is a pattern we see in Jesus again and again and again. This is something we sometimes neglect to do, forget to do, or just don't do at all. We want the miracles, but we don't want the God for who he is. See, while, there, while he was there, we read, he sees his disciples in the distance, right? Right? It's probably a few kilometers distance, but Jesus could see them from the mountainside. And he sees them straining at the oars because the wind was against them. And shortly before dawn, probably one of the darkest periods of that point in the day, he walks to them on the, on the lake. And it says he was about to pass by them. Some translations even say he meant to pass by them. Let me leave that with you for a second. Why was this journey not smooth sailing, pun intended? Did they not do exactly what they were told? Despite their obedience, here we see that they're in a very uncomfortable situation. And he put them there knowing well what would happen. He's God. And I think sometimes in our own circumstances of life, We too ask God, when our lives don't look like we expected them to, why have you put us here? I thought I did what you said. See, it's there that we learn, and that the, the disciples are to learn to depend on their master, their shepherd. Now, I wonder if anyone's having a deja vu moment because we heard about something very similar last week. See, the last time the disciples were in this predicament, again in a boat, in a storm, Jesus was asleep in their boat, but he's not there this time, is he? Last time he spoke to the storm, the winds and the waves, they obeyed his every word, and at their amazement, Jesus rebuked the 12 And he said, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? I think many of us here today can more than sympathize with the 12. There are times God puts us in hard times and we feel abandoned in the deep. See, these 12 were defeated and terrified, as Mark writes. They look at the figure approaching them, and they have no idea who it is. Is it a ghost? And they cry out, who is that? Here, in their darkest hour, the compassionate shepherd enters the storm to comfort his people. See, walking across the Sea of Galilee wasn't just a a cool magic trick or a shortcut that Jesus wanted to take. Because this was significant. If this wasn't a ghost, who but God can tread on the waves of the sea? As Job writes, who but God? See, it's easy for us to read this and think, Jesus wanted to just go right past them. But that's not the case. Here's another picture that we look back at. In Exodus 33, as a sign to Moses, God answers his prayer to show him that he is with his people and with him. His favor was with them, and God answers Moses' prayer to show me your glory. And as you read here, God says yes, and he says, I will cause all of my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence, and I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. But he said, you can't see my face, for no one might see me and live. You see, three times in this chapter, and once more in, verse, uh, in chapter 34, we see this phrase that God passes by or passed by Moses. And it's repeated because it emphasizes God's glory being revealed to them. We see his glory being revealed in his compassion, in his goodness, and in his mercy. And remember, this was no small thing. When we look back at the disciples, if you're anything like me, maybe you first reacted in judgment of the disciples and said, how could you possibly have missed this? You walked with him, you talked with him, you witnessed the most unfathomable miracles. You heard him teach. Can you feel the tension here between their astonishment at what's just happened? and their lack of understanding. See, last time, Jesus rebuked them for a lack of faith. Here, we see him say something very different. He says, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down, and they were amazed. I think there's a pretty big tension here. On this side of the resurrection for us I think we have a pretty good idea of how powerful Jesus is because we read the accounts, we hear the messages being preached, we read good books, we sing it. Some of us I know have witnessed the most amazing unfathomable miracles in our own lives we are left there amazed at his power, sometimes missing who's right in front of us. See, like the 12, I think we don't always see him clearly, do we? Alistair Begg, an American minister, says this about this very circumstance. Here is a reminder of how close you can be to the unfolding story of who Jesus is you can preach it, you can hear it, you can teach it, you can even sing it. And it goes on, you can engage in it and still find that you have a meager faith and a stony heart. See, though they saw his glory pass by them and heard these words of comfort, Look at the last verse here. It says, they still didn't understand what happened with the loaves. Because their hearts were hardened. What did they miss? Let me present a few things that I think that they might have missed, but also we put ourselves there, because I think we miss it too. First is this. The same God who provided manna in the wilderness had just done the same for them when he fed the 5,000. And they were fed on the green grass in his pastures. Second, we see Moses saw Yahweh's glory. His glory passed by him and it was an experience where God himself covered Moses' face so that he wouldn't die. Yet here is Jesus, his face unveiled at full sight as he tread on the waves of the sea to comfort his disciples. See, this was the very radiance of Yahweh's glory and the exact representation of his being as we read in Hebrews. This was what was being made known to them. God was with them. See, Mark's warning speaks just as loudly then as it does today. So let's not harden our hearts towards our glorious shepherd. What does a hardened heart look like maybe? I think this looks like Christians who chase after miracles. Loving that feeling of being amazed and forgetting the goodness that's been revealed in his scriptures to us. That we could be known by the shepherd and to know the shepherd. I think a hardened heart sometimes looks like when we neglect to feed on his life-giving words, leaving us completely without understanding. Maybe it looks like this, the busyness and the demands of this life that cause you to struggle and strain at these oars. Friends, that is where we need to cling to the shepherd. See, our stony hearts aren't too hard for him to work with be encouraged by that because he's given us his spirit who helps us in so many ways he helps us see Jesus more clearly most importantly only he can turn your meager faith strong so what does fully trusting God look like I was sort of reminded of a little friend of mine who often runs around in this church and sometimes at home Uh, It's this picture of a father and his child, right? So he struggles with the dark at times. And as I like to observe, as I do, I saw his father come down to his level and whisper in his ears, don't be afraid. I'm with you. I'm right here. And then you see this little hand go up and be clasped so tightly in his father's hand. Secure. And his dad walks into the dark with him. Takes him into the darkness. Shows him. It's still a scary place for him, but he goes there with him. Because he knows who's with him. He doesn't know what's going to be on the other side, but he goes right there with him. Now this is a very small picture of it, and you could tease that out much more. But in a very small way, I think this is... A picture of God revealing His glory to His disciples as He walks to them on the sea. You see, His goodness and His compassion are found in the message of this gospel. And we see it also in His power that's displayed at work in our lives and in our world. So let me conclude with this. In these two miracles, Mark gives us a little glimpse, snippets of our shepherd's heart because only the shepherd truly knows his flock. Jesus knows you intimately. Do you see him clearly? To those who are under shepherds or leaders in the church, maybe a small group leader or a different leader in another capacity, follow the model of our true shepherd. Don't neglect those he's given in your care. Be faithful in your teaching. Protect them. Tend to his precious flock with compassion. For us, his church, he's already established himself as our glorious shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd that laid his life down for you. And because he lives, you can know that your sins have been washed away, and the shepherd knows you. This, my friends, is the best news today. Cling to this. He knows what you need when you're in the wilderness, and he meets you there. He satisfies you with bread from heaven and by his words. He doesn't just observe you from the distance. He doesn't just watch you straining at the oars. He walks right to you. He enters the boat, and he gives you these words of encouragement. Don't fear. It is I. I am with you. So friends, here's my question for you again. Do you see him clearly today? If not, open your eyes and see. So, whether you know Jesus as your shepherd and as your Lord or not, remember only He can turn our stony hearts to that which can understand who He really is. Jesus is your compassionate shepherd who satisfies, and He is the God who has revealed His glory to you. Know this and walk in confidence He is your shepherd. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that you would take our stony hearts and give us hearts that understand. Give us ears that can hear your comforting words always and that we may know for sure that we can take courage and not fear. Father, give us new eyes so that we can see Jesus more clearly today. And thank you that you bring us to green pastures and feed us with your life-giving words. And we pray this in our glorious shepherd's name. Amen.